Hello there once again, just a quick reminder that Morgan's audio won't be optimal again, but that starting next week everything's going to be back to normal, everything's going to be back on track. And while I'm here, by chance, if this is your first episode, uh, bold choice to start with, but uh, I'd respect it. Good on you. And usually I don't just come in out the gate rambling. We have a nice little intro, which sounds something like this. Hello and welcome to Elvis Has Left the Movies, a podcast dedicated to the cinematic legacy of Mr. Elvis Aaron Presley, journeying through all 31 of his feature films. On top of the movie talk, we'll also be exploring the bigger picture as far as the culture of those times as seen through a present day lens. I'm Morgan and I'm joined in this endeavor by Matt. Hello, it is I, Matt. We tried to switch things up (laughs) this time and there we go. As you can see, it didn't work. (laughs) Now you know my pain. We want to be like, well, we should have a, you know, pre-written intro, but it's feeling stilted and awkward. It's feeling a little dry. So yeah. sometimes we're just going to have to change it up. we got to shake it up. <laughs> shake it up like Elvis shakes his hips in Blue <laughs> 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 Hawaii. <laughs> God, this movie. Oh, boy. So today we're talking about Blue Hawaii. Yeah. I want to jump into the plot points right away. Get with it. Let's do it. So that you, the lovely audience, can just hear what the fuck this movie is about. Yeah as seen through the present day lens. All right, Blue Hawaii is a movie where Elvis returns home from the war mm-hmm. and is like totally a beach bum and is like, I don't want to, I'll do whatever I want. The point is, here's what I wrote about the movie. I wrote these down as I was watching the movie. So in order, Elvis's name in this movie is Chadwick Gates. While I agree that Chadwick is a great name for Elvis, I don't think that Chadwick Gates is a great name, so I'm going to put him, like, fourth. Especially since they refer to him the whole time as Chad. Chad Gates, he's Chad. Yeah. What a Chad. So we're, we're still on top with Deke Rivers. Um, let's keep going. So as the movie starts, Blue Hawaii is G.I. Blue's sequel, essentially. More or less. Elvis gets off the plane. He's from, you know, he's, you know. There's like a weird loose trilogy of Hawaii movies that could all fit together. So Elvis nearly drowns a bitch. (laughs) Jumping right to the climax, I see. Okay. No, 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 no. This is in the first part of the movie. He goes swimming with his girlfriend. Oh my God, you're right. And he nearly fucking drowns her. And then she loses her top, and it's very funny, because you're not a joke, she's naked. Yeah, it's played like fun frolicking in the water, but like... No, like, like Elvis nearly fucking kills a chick. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis wants to hide out on a beach, because he doesn't want to deal with the real world. And I agree with Elvis. He wants to hang out with his bros. He just wants to chill. He wants to hang out with his merry band of brown boys. It's weird. There's like an entourage of apparently Hawaiian people, although... So far, nobody who is colored in any Elvis movie ever plays somebody of the color that they are. So Matt will tell us if they are or if they're not after I'm done telling you about the rest of this fucking movie. Uh, Bad Yankee parents. Elvis likes girlfriend's parents more. (laughs) There's a part in this... There's a part of this movie where somebody turns to Elvis and says, do you think you can satisfy a school teacher and four teenage girls? (laughs) 
Uh, Elvis's dad is great. I can't remember why, but I, I remember Elvis's dad in this movie having a particular set of like dry wit. That I have a few quotes. Hilarious. Yes, he's probably yeah, the best character. so hilarious. Um, I'm nominating him for best side character today. Elvis dances in this movie. This is the first movie where we see Elvis get up and do a little little shim shimmy. Yeah, this is like for, um, a full musical, pretty much. Yeah, the the, the other one was uh, Jailhouse Rock. He yes. works the pole in Jailhouse Rock. Oh boy, so yeah, okay. In this movie, he just kind of shimmies around a little bit and kicks some sand onto some teenagers. <laughs> it's strange. Uh, Elvis starts another bar fight. Elvis goes to jail again. Mm-hmm. Girl rejected by Elvis. Suicide attempt. Blue Hawaii gets dark. <laughs> Elvis spanks a minor in wet lingerie. Elvis solves clinical depression. Elvis runs a tourist agency. Elvis gets married. The end. That's Blue Hawaii. <laughs> what a checklist of accomplishments. Yeah, it's wild. This young Chad Gates is a real renaissance man. We'll get more into like the actual plot points later, but for now, Matt's going to tell us about the sure. the boring, boring facts. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that people love so much. I'm so concerned about our audience base because I feel like people are either showing up for your really intense facts to be like, wow, this is amazing, and then is immediately accosted by my swearing dumbass. Or people show up and they're like, wow, this is hilarious. And then they're like, oh, no, facts about movies? Boring. <laughs> I think that's why this works. I think we're getting both those. I think so, too. And they're just toughing out whichever part they don't want. Yeah, tapping into both markets. <laughs> so give us the deets. Sure. Who's responsible for this movie? Who did this? <laughs> <laughs> This is Blue Hawaii from 1961. This was released November 22nd, 1961. So this is the second Elvis movie of that year. And we're back to Paramount Pictures. Good old Paramount. So does he stick with Paramount Pictures for the rest of this? No, but he does quite a lot with them because they had, you know, a contract. Okay. The producer, we haven't brought up the producer of these things. His name is Hal B. Wallace. He's the guy who's like, he took Elvis and was like, I'm going to put you in movies. I see. So he's, all the Paramount Pictures that Elvis is in, they're all Hal B. Wallace productions. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing, like, yeah. the opening credits for this. And, like, Hal B was like, I'm Hal B, and here's my big dick. <laughs> it's, like, really big titles. So everybody needs to know that Hal B is responsible for this movie. And the director of this, I'm going to talk about it because we're getting into all the things. But I need to bring up that there are so many returning people in an Elvis movie, or they will be in a future Elvis movie right. out of Blue Hawaii. But the director is Norman Torog, who we already had. He was the one who did G.I. Blues, which is, it really helps hammer home how much more this is like <laughs> a, a sequel, pretty much. Yeah. Just switch out Elvis' character's name, but otherwise it would totally fit as a continuation. Absolutely. We could just imagine he like dumps that Fraulein back in Germany and then shows well, up here. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when I watched these movies, I didn't watch a lot of them in order. I watched G.I. Blues first, and then I watched Blue Hawaii, and I was like, wait a minute, where's the fucking redhead? Where did she go? <laughs> yeah, nowhere to be found. Gone. Gone. Gone with the wind. I think actually, yeah, somewhere in my notes, I think they did want her back, maybe, to be the love interest once again, but of course studio's like blah screw it it'll be easier if we just yeah there was too many demands um (laughs) cinematographer of this movie charles lang jr who was also a cinematographer on loving you so once again we got a returning director we got a returning cinematographer nice not from the same movies though so this is like a team up of like the who's who right he also just to give him some credit for other things he did the magnificent seven in 1960 the year before 
Writers are Hal Cantor's second Elvis script after Loving You, which he also directed. So yes. Hal Cantor directed uh, Loving You, and now he's the writer for this one. And he wrote Loving You, and now he's the writer for this one. Story is by Alan West, which is the first of six Elvis films. Yes. And if anyone's ever wondered what's the difference between, like, written by or story by, the story by credit is just, like, you make the initial pitch. Like, you've got an outline, perhaps, but, you know, you didn't write the actual full screenplay. True. This was, makes sense. So yeah, this is his first one, and then he does six more Elvis films. Whoop-de-doo. So um, really interesting in this movie, costume designs are by Edith Head, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a super big, big boy in the costume department. She has been making costumes since, like, the 40s and has made multiple, like, award-winning costume stuff. So uh, she also did costumes, apparently, for Loving You, G.I. Blues, and King Creole. Yes. And I'm just going to preface this by saying we've talked a lot in the other episodes about how costumes didn't necessarily reflect characters as much in movies. And now at this stage, you're starting to see that that's ironclad as a fact. If you're going to be a costume designer, the expectation now is that you are designing costumes for roles and you are working closely with the actresses and actors that fill those roles to design a costume that best represents the character. So um, I'm surprised that Edith Head is here on like an Elvis movie. Like this yes. seems kind of like under her pay grade, you know? Well, as far as I could tell, like I said, she was probably just under contract with Paramount and she was just doing whatever work. So this is definitely some just like work for hire stuff. True. Because yeah, she, she works on nine Elvis films in all out of his 31. She does the costumes for nine of them. Amazing. And she has costume design credits on 438 different projects. Yeah. So, like, Jesus. Yeah, she's a heavy hitter for sure. I will say, too, like, the costume designs for the students versus the adult women in this, they work well to establish the difference between the characters. And you've got this gorgeous location, so, like, there's a lot of just, you know... Yes. It sure looks fun to hang out in Hawaii. (laughs) A lot of great prints. Mm, Like, mm -hmm. really cool, like... This style of prints on fabric wouldn't become popular until, like, it would start in the 50s and then it would start to become normative in fashion around this time in the 60s. And also it's important to note that this movie was filmed at the time where youth culture for fashion was starting to become a really prevalent, marketable area of fashion. So the girls are reflective of that the young teenagers do have a small kind of sense of fashion that is catered to the youth in demand style fashion sense so yeah she got it and then uh, so yeah this this was a thing that i it jumped out at me this time i hadn't noticed edith head's name in previous movies that we've watched as the costume design yeah but it jumped out at me this time for some reason it was probably because it was in bigger font <laughs> and i was like oh damn <laughs> yeah the the fonts for these were really big <laughs> like everybody Came out swinging, you know? Mm -hmm. Including, this is another one that caught my eye because I didn't even think about it. But of course, when there's musical numbers in the movie, they're staged by someone. And so the musical numbers in Blue Hawaii were staged by Charles Okurin, who also did the musical numbers for Loving You and King Creole. And then he'll go on to do more Elvis movies. And he also is credited as the choreographer for G.I. Blues. That's pretty interesting. So you're starting to see now, like, Elvis movies are now becoming a team of highly like specialized Elvis movie aficionados. It's a conveyor belt of content. Yeah, it's a conveyor belt, right? Working title, <laughs> Hawaii Beach Boy. That was I'm the glad one. they scrapped that. Uh, but it's so funny. I'm glad they, <laughs> I, you know. Imagine this, being the biggest, the highest grossing movie of all time, and you think, remember like, <laughs> man, the, the classic Elvis picture, Hawaii Beach Boy. 
because yeah, I mentioned it last episode. I'm mentioning it again now. This movie made so much goddamn money. Right. Like this is the quintessential Elvis movie. Yes. More so than Jailhouse Rock, right? Jailhouse Rock was like the image of Jailhouse Rock. Sure. Yes. But the content of Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Jailhouse Rock is the canary in the coal mine for Blue Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. Blue Hawaii comes out and it's official. Elvis movies have a rigid structure, you know, like they're just, they're just going full tilt. They don't care. They, they can't stop. They can't stop. They won't stop, you know? And um, sometimes you have to stop and ask yourself if you can do something, if you should. And I don't think they stop to ask themselves that with this movie. No. <laughs> this movie isn't that bad. No, no, of course. Right? It's it's not as bad as like Flaming Star, but it's such a consumer product of the Elvis brand that it's it's I can't take it seriously. Like watching it, you've reached a point now you're eight movies in and you have to be like, "All right, I'm sitting down to watch popcorn." Yes. 100%. <laughs> right? That's what it is. Elvis is going to be in some location. There will be multiple ladies. He'll be bouncing around from them. Songs. So many songs. Dancing. The soundtrack is packed. Hijinks. Maybe he gets a funny sidekick in this one. In this movie, it's his married band of brown boys. In the Fun and Uncle Poco, it's his tiny brown child cousin, whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> so, oh, uh, songs, though. Songs. We yes. got to talk about the songs. I will also, I want to bring up, going off of the financial success, the soundtrack for right. this movie. Also, big. probably the biggest of any big. of these pictures. Big, big. How big, you might ask? The soundtrack for Blue Hawaii was the number one album overall for all of 1961. It spent 20 consecutive weeks at the number one spot on the Billboard Top Holy LPs chart shit. in 1961, 1962. It's a record that was only broken in 1977 when Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album came out. Uh, and it stayed on the charts for 79 weeks altogether. Uh, I just, I really, like a lot of these songs are, are some of my favorites. Like they, Blue Hawaii is... Um, I don't know, man. When you think of Elvis, you think you don't think of Jailhouse Rock. You think, of course, that Jailhouse Rock is big. But when you think of Elvis, you think Blue Hawaii. You're like, yeah, Blue Hawaii. That's that's the Elvis movie, right? Yes. So yeah. Um. So yeah, let's talk about the songs. There are yeah fifteen of these things, which is too many. Well, one of them is an uncredited. It's not in the credits, but it is there. They, yeah. they sing Moonlight Bay at one point. Yeah, so uh, too many songs for sure. And a lot of them could have been cut and should have been cut, but they weren't. And, you know, eh, that's okay. That's all right. It could have been worse, sure. you know? So the, well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll just list them. So number one, Blue Hawaii. Which is the opening credits, you know. Right. Number two, Almost Always True. Yes, which is uh, the duet. This is, Yeah, just like with Wild in the Country, they're driving in a car and they start singing it together. This is like... The, right. It's fun that that carried over. It's weird that every time... I, I'm, I'm concerned now that every time I see Elvis in a vehicle, he's going to be singing. <laughs> it was really jarring in Wild in the Country just because it was like 20 minutes in and before that it was so like serious and kind of melodramatic that like it just... Yeah. It like, whoa, because then it's like the pre-recorded his voice coming out and you're just like, whoa. Oh, where that's so weird yes yeah so in this movie you know this movie is really fun by the way and it's it's pretty snappy it, it moves it's like 90 it minutes is, yeah. back to like just quick yeah and also i would suggest if you want to watch like a good bad movie i would suggest this because it is fun to like mm -hmm. be like oh my god elvis is doing this oh here he goes he's starting to sing again Woo! <laughs> like it's a lot of fun uh so up next is the quintessential aloha oi um which is everybody 
well, maybe not Hawaiian people, but everybody else seems to really like Aloha Oi. Elvis has such a, a bit of a contentious relationship with like the Hawaiian people, right? Because mm -hmm. on one hand, Blue Hawaii is not so much anymore, maybe, but there was a time where he was really baked into the, what's that called when you're a person and you don't live in a place, but you go visit that place so you can hang out and look at what people do there. Tourists. <laughs> they bring it up. They, they actually, there's a line in this movie where they say, tourists aren't people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is accurate. So a lot of um, Hawaii's income comes from tourism. And a lot of that tourism is baked with the pathos of Elvis Presley written all over it. This is one of the most perfect postcards I've ever seen on Put the Film. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, I like Aloha Oi, but I can't say if anybody else does. I'm sure that it's it's a... I know that Aloha Oi is also a very culturally backed song. It certainly wasn't, I think, something that Elvis Presley should have got up and been like, I'll sing the song of the people. <laughs> um, yeah, let me teach you all kinds of uh, Hawaiian words. I, I know oh, all the words because I'm Elvis. So bad. So No More is number four. And then we have uh, a really big heady here, Can't Help Falling in Love. Oh, boy. Um, which is, again, I, I love that song. Which people would probably be, like, shocked to learn it was in this movie that it came from. Yes. Because it's such, yeah, like, yeah. as it's just, like, its own thing at this point that actually sing it within a context, which is still weird in that scene having him sing it, too. I also know, like, a lot of people personally who they may not like Elvis, but they like this song in particular. I've been to at least one wedding where people danced to Can't Help Falling in Love with this. And I've been to at least another wedding where it was part of the playlist because it was the bride or the groom's favorite. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one of my favorites coming up is Rock the Hula, Rock, Rock the Hula, Rock the Hula, Rah. It's one of my favorites. Moonlight Swim, could have probably cut that one. Ku'u Ipo. Um, Ito Eats with Frank Atienza. Yes, they have, there's a whole song in this where they just, there's one of his buddies just loves to eat. And so they sing a song about how he loves to eat. It's just strange, yeah. And then after that, it's Slicing Sand, where he literally like kicks sand into a bunch of schoolgirls. At that same buddy, because it's literally they're back to back. Yeah, it's fucking weird. There's a part where he kicks sand at the camera, though, which is kind of fun. Yes, I did like that. That was kind of fun. Also, <laughs> listen, <laughs> in Slicing Sand, Elvis is wearing a pair of really tiny shorts. <laughs> He's wearing... Okay, I was going to bring this up too. I know the costume is your department, but I was going to bring up that... Go ahead. These shorts are tight, yes. and he's wearing them for like 80% of the movie. Yeah, they're very, very tiny. Like, all I could think of when I'm seeing him, like, especially when he's dancing, all I can think of is, Everybody get my hot pants, get my hot pants. <laughs> I got my hot pants on. <laughs> like, they're so small, you know. I could definitely see how how they sold so many tickets for this film. There's probably a lot of repeat yeah. viewings, let's just say. <laughs> I feel like at this point, they should just take pictures of Elvis in, like, woefully revealing outfits <laughs> with his butt sticking out and just be like, you know what you're here for. <laughs> yeah, why did Elvis never pose for Playgirl magazine? He should have. Missed opportunity. Honestly. Well, I guess they wanted to keep his... <laughs> quote unquote a squeaky clean image yeah you know the squeaky clean image where he's spanking people anyway yeah we're <laughs> a squeaky clean image where he spanks a minor in wet lingerie <laughs> mm -hmm. so uh num song number 11 hawaiian sunset song number 12 beach boy blues probably why they wanted to call him hawaii beach boy right um island of love and a hawaiian wedding song 
Yeah. Oh, and there's an uncredited one here. Yeah, Moonlight Bay, music by Percy Wenrick and lyrics by Edward Madden. Yeah, which might be an instrumental. I'm not 100% sure. Right. So I'm going to let you go through your favorite acting bits. What was your favorite? Oh, well, all I noticed was that every time he's just, he pulls a lot of like, he's mugging for the camera a lot in this movie. Right. He's just pulling goofy faces where he's like bulging his eyes out and doing like these weird like, every time it happened, I just imagined a slide whistle was playing in the background. Yeah, I, I got that sense as well, actually. Yes. Which I was like, even though he didn't like doing these movies, like this is, he's obviously still committing to it. So you gotta give him credit for that, I guess. Yeah, you do gotta hand it to him. For a guy who was like, you know, he was very privileged. Mm -hmm. And he got a lot of success as a result of that privilege. And at the same time was really being taken advantage of by the situation. And, you know, I don't know, I think he did a good job, all things considered. Like, yeah. If somebody was like, Morgan, you're going to be a famous musician, but I'm going to milk you for every cent you got. I'd be like, I'll be poor, thanks. <laughs> you know, got a hand. It takes, listen, man, don't shit on people who sell out. It takes a lot of work to sell out, okay? It's true. I wish I could sell out. I would sell out in a heartbeat. And Elvis sold out so hard, he freaking died on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's sad. Elvis sold out so hard, he got addicted to drugs and died on the toilet. Very, very sad. Anyway, moving on to Blue Hawaii. <laughs> uh, final shot of the wedding barge. Talk about it, Matt. Tell us about it. It's really pretty. <laughs> My notes yeah. are very self-explanatory. I just said... <laughs> That's why... Oh, wait. Actually, here we go. Let me bring it up. Restore this movie, people. I don't know. It's Paramount Pictures. <laughs> They've got their specialty Blu-ray label that are putting out like 4K restorations and stuff. They put out the 4K restoration of King Creole. Right. Restore Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Because the current print that you can get in... And I'm throwing air quotes here. HD from like streaming... Looks pretty bad. It's pretty rough. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, just grit to it. It needs to be cleaned up and you need to really have those colors pop because this movie is really pretty. It's true. It, it does look for, yeah, for something that's filmed like in fucking Hawaii, it looks a little washed out. Mm -hmm. Just a, just a touch, just a touch. You've got a spot here that says favorite Elvis outfit, but then you left it blank. That was just because this is part of a template. I mean... Oh, I see. <laughs> I didn't bring up that in Wild in the Country, there's a part where he's wearing an ascot. That way I was like, ooh. I do, I do remember that part. Uh, my favorite Elvis outfit is his hot pants. <laughs> his tiny, tiny shorts. Yes, that, that's, I didn't write it, but obviously that's what we're all thinking. Because it's the only outfit I can think of. Because it's so distracting that nothing else comes to mind. So um, we've gone through a bit of the background. So let's go into the plot. Like what actually happens in this movie. Yeah, how do all these weird things connect? Go for it. How do they all come together? So Elvis Presley returns home from the war. And there's not like, it doesn't say what war. It just says the war well they make a point where the father keeps reminding his mother that there wasn't actually a war he was just in the army <laughs> which is what elvis actually did you know he was just serving for two years in the army abroad that's right mm -hmm. so elvis returns home from quote unquote the war he's got a girl waiting for him and he's like i don't like being tied down or whatever and she's like well i want you to come work for uh my dad or something and um he's like i'm gonna hang out on the beach oh wait yeah, actually no wait before sorry let me just Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, so just step on your toes. The, yeah, because like 
Let's go with that one sentence synopsis. Arriving back in Hawaii from the army, a young man defies his parents' wishes for him to work at the family business and instead goes to work as a tour guide at his girlfriend's agency. Right. So that's the main through line of the whole thing. That's right, yeah. For some reason, Elvis doesn't want to work at his dad's company. His mom is, like, really overbearing. She also looks like she's from, like, she looks like she's the main character from Murder, She Wrote, for some reason. She is. I'm going to get into it. Oh, she is? Yeah. <laughs> it's Angela Lansbury plays his mother. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> that's she's so only great. she's only 10 years older than Elvis, too. Wow, crazy. Uh, anyways. Anyway, so he doesn't want to work there. Everybody's giving him a hard time. And then he wants to work at the tourist agency. <laughs> and the tourist agency guy says, Do you think you can satisfy a school teacher and four teenage girls? <laughs> and he goes, uh, I don't know, mister, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Yeah. I'll do my best. So the gist is Elvis is being tested by this boss man to see if he can successfully uh, work the job. And the test is for him to bring this uh, school teacher and the four teenage girls around Hawaii and entertain them. So he does that. He brings the school girls out to the banana farm and everything's okay. Pineapple. Pineapple farm. <laughs> and everything's uh, bananas, pineapples. Whatever. <laughs> it's an important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it's true, actually. The, there's a big theme in this movie about pineapples, if you can fucking believe it. Elvis's dad runs a pineapple business where he makes Mai Tais. Mm -hmm. A pineapple empire, apparently. A pineapple empire, and Elvis doesn't want to sell pineapples, so he br Elvis doesn't want to work with pineapples, but yet he brings four teenagers and a teacher to go hang out at the pineapple farm. Like, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but while he's there, there's this one teenager who's like, eh, they're just pineapples. Eh, I'm a girl. And I'm like, uh, uh, nah, nah, nah. She's the buzzkill. Yeah, she tries to, like, bum a smoke off of him, and Elvis is like, you're just being And she's like, I'm attracted to you. And he's like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> And then they go to the beach and they go to dinner and at the dinner party, like throughout all this, he's getting kind of closer with the school teacher and the girl is like, Ooh, I'm being an inappropriate little girl and I'm flirting with this guy. And I was like, Hey man, you can't flirt with that teenager. And he's like, I do whatever I want, because whatever. And like, in the meantime, his wife is like, Elvis, hang out with me, man. And he's like, no, ma'am, I've got a pervert to keep under wraps. And it all comes to a head when Elvis punches a dude out. Then he goes to prison. And then he gets released from prison. And I can't remember if he loses his job or not. I don't think he does. Well, here's the thing. The father is the best character. Ah, uh, yes. But in second place, for just how out there his performance is, the guy who runs the age, the girlfriend's... Yeah, he's a strange character. It feels like half his... Like, he's reading his lines and he's, like, <laughs> Im like riffing. He's, like, improv because there's so much, yeah. like, weird timing. <laughs> Sorry. There's, like, parts where it looks like he's trying to, like, catch Elvis off guard, like, in, in the shot, and, like, it's working. Like, he's just... It's pretty good. Yeah, I will say all of the shots with Elvis and that guy together, it does look like Elvis is being like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, so I, I guess he doesn't get fired or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. The school teacher. The school teacher showed up or his girlfriend showed up. Somebody showed up and was like, don't fire Elvis. He's a good man. Nah, or something like that. Anyway, Elvis takes the school teacher to a hotel with the girls and then sings them a little song and dance in his little hot pants. 
kicks some sand at them, and then all the girls are supposed to go to bed, and the school teacher comes to visit Elvis, and she's like, Elvis, I want to talk to you about your tourist services. I was thinking of something a little extra on the side, and he's like, ah, uh, well, uh, mama, like, uh, I don't know, or whatever. And then his girlfriend is like, oh my god, you were hanging out with the school teacher, and she, like, runs away crying. Like the classic, I saw the wrong thing at the wrong time. I poked through the window, and... Yeah, right. So she runs away crying, and then also the teenage girl, she's like... I'm gonna sneak out, blah, blah, blah. She comes in before the school teacher comes into his room. Right, right, right. There's a part where they like, they literally all one at a time keep coming into his room, and it's really funny because he's like, What the hell is this? A parade? I don't have time yeah, for this. Yeah, it is really funny. He's getting exasperated. Yeah. And then, I don't know, something happens. I can't remember if he makes it all okay with his girlfriend or not at that time or later, but the point is, the little girl fucking takes the jeep and runs away mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh my god the girl took the jeep and she ran away so they all start chasing after the jeep they find her in the waves of the ocean and she's like i'm gonna kill myself and she's trying to drown herself and elvis shows up and he's like what's the matter with you and she's like yeah and he's like you know what you need a spanking and she's like maybe i do no one ever bothered enough to give me one anyway. And so Elvis just bends that bitch over and starts spanking her on the ass. And then crossfades or cuts into the next morning. And she's sitting at the table with all of the other people. And she's like, Lottie Dot, I'm a good girl now. Everything worked out fine. <laughs> she's sitting at the table with all the other people with a bunch of extra pillows under her butt. Yeah. <laughs> It's so wrong. Like, oh my God. But apparently that's all you need for an attitude adjustment. Yeah, so she's fine. She doesn't want to kill herself anymore (sighs) because Elvis literally spanked the depression away. (laughs) And then uh, Elvis gets the job uh, successfully as the big tourist agency and he marries the girlfriend. Yes, because it turns out the teacher, when she's like, I fell in love, you think at the time that she's talking to him, but it turns out- Oh yeah. His dad has a friend named Jack and it's them that actually are getting together. That's right. Oh my God, so dumb. Yeah, I know. Just some extra little like convolutedness. She's like, you didn't let me finish. I was actually about to say, I met Jack. Ugh. And then he's like, Jack? Oh, well, this is great. Cause then you go do your own thing and I get to go with my girlfriend. We're getting married. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, <laughs> read me the quotes from Elvis's dad. <laughs> okay. That's what I really want. So I love Angela Lansbury, but and she's playing this part to perfection because she's supposed to be like the worst. She's super grating and like right. she, oh my god, she just won't stop referring to her husband as daddy. She's like, daddy, he's being this way and that way. Oh yes, yeah. Oh daddy, I don't understand what's wrong with that boy. Yeah, she's the ultimate like southern debutante who's now like this middle aged mother. <laughs> yeah, and the dad. <laughs> Okay, where's here's some lines. I gotta find some lines here. The dad just gives zero fucks. He just does not stand for that shit. It's great. I love it. Yes. I'm gonna throw in actually a few quotes. Do it. When the girl, his main squeeze, Maylee, when he comes back from the, the airport, he, uh, or yeah, when he comes down from the, first of all, the, the plane door opens and he's kissing the stewardess. Right. And he looks down and he's like, good job. I made her jealous thanks for your uh, contribution or whatever. It's just like, wow, way to go, Chad. Whatever. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Chadwick. And then, yeah, he comes down to her and she's all like, oh my God, I'm mad at you. I can't believe you're just kissing that girl. And he's like, don't worry. You call that a kiss. This is a kiss. And he kisses her. Right. And then she says the line, okay. She says the line, my French blood tells me to argue with you and my Hawaiian blood tells me not to. And they're really battling it out inside of me. Uh, Oh, 
this lady definitely not any part Hawaiian. Oh boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a thing. That's a yikes. Um, and then he. Oh man. And then he says the line, "Well, I've never seen a more beautiful battleground before." Oh god. Oh. Kill me now. <laughs> yes. Also, one of his buddies, all his beach buddies, calls him Chadio. That's his nickname for him, Chadio. Uh. He goes, "Hey, Chadio, tell us about Naples. How are those cool, crazy Italian chicks?" Uh. So dumb. I hate the roving band of brown boys that shows up. Not that because they're brown, but because they're shoehorned in there. Yeah, I was convinced that they were going to do a thing where, because there's like four of them and there's four of the teen girls. I thought they were all going to like pair them off. And I guess I'll give the movie credit for not just doing that, but also why were they there then? It was weird. Yeah, why were they there? Uh, for more songs, actually, is the answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, they could be, so, can he, so he can have like backup vocals for all the tunes he sings. Right. Um, okay, here we go. Get Actual, we're talking about the, the dad. Yeah, I know. There's a part where Elvis is like having a spat with his mom again, and he walks out, and she goes, "Oh, daddy, what did we do wrong?" And then the dad says, "Offhand, I'd say we got married." <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> um, then there's a part where they're hosting a party, and the dad is just downing my ties, <laughs> and then his wife she says, "Aren't you forgetting yourself?" And he says, "I'm trying, mother. I'm trying." <laughs> And he gulps down more my ties. That's great. Yeah. Give us another. Oh, damn it. Okay, I think I must have some more here. Because there's a lot. Uh, I love him. I don't think he actually says too much. No, I think, but like every time he says a line, it's it's great. It's gold. It's gold. It's absolutely gold. Because, yeah, the mom is just like being super overbearing and he's just like, could you please lay off the boy? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Could you not? I like how the dad, too, is like, well, you know, if you don't want to go into pineapples, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. But in the end, of course, Elvis is able to do a classic compromise where he's going to be independent, but also still work for the company. And he pleases everyone and everyone gets a happy ending and everything works out a nice little bow. Great. Because this is how we go. Except for the girl that has to go to therapy and explain why she got <laughs> spanked on the ass in lingerie in the middle of the ocean by Elvis Presley. Yeah. <sighs> Some lines from her, though, where she's like, no, he says, he definitely says a part, he says, I don't, well, yeah, well, she, like, forces herself on him and kisses him at one part, and he goes, I, I don't rob cradles. Yes, yeah. <sighs> um, sure, Elvis. Sure. Sure you don't. Oh, yeah, I, I noted here that the turnover of Maley being angry at him for seeing him with the teacher and then immediately seeing that actually the teacher is with Jack, so it's okay, was pretty much as quick as the turnover at the end of G.I. Blues, where the the german is all like oh my god this was all part of a bet and then immediately realizes that it was fine and then it's fine like yeah everything's fine it's fine i cannot believe how quickly they just they they do that third act like everything falls apart yet they they turn it over in like within a minute so it actually happens within the last like five minutes of the movie yeah it's pretty wild okay let's get into we've already like blown a fair bit of our time so let's talk about the actors and the actresses yes Tell us about Let's talk about their entire life history. <laughs> Only for Dame Angela Lansbury, because she deserves so much okay. better than this damn movie. That she yeah. she's on record as saying she did this for the money. This was when she was in a little slump in her career. Yeah. And she's like, Oh God, am I doing an Elvis movie? I guess I'll do an Elvis movie. Oh, boy. It's a good paycheck. <laughs> but once again, she's like fully committed. Like she plays the character well. Yeah. But I feel like there's also some like her own self loathing for doing the role as fueling the performance. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, because here's how much of a boss she is and how much she she deserves better. She made her debut in 1944 in the movie Gaslight. This is her debut film. Oh, cool. Oscar-nominated performance for supporting actress. Neat. The very next year, does The Picture of Dorian Gray, 1945. Another, she gets back-to-back Oscar nominations for Best Supporting Actress. Wow. 
And then I guess because she was under contract with a studio and the studio was just like mishandling the movies they would put her with because like for a while there it got rough in the late 50s. But then luckily right after Blue Hawaii, the very next year, she bounces back by getting her third nomination for Best Supporting Actress for The Manchurian Candidate, 1962. Oh, cool. Damn. That must be that might be one of her best performances. It's really good. Wow. And then she eventually was given an honorary award by the Academy in 2013. You know, long overdue. Yeah, for sure. And yes, she is of course probably best known contemporarily as the star of Murder She Wrote from 1984 to 1996, 12 seasons, 264 episodes. I actually just recently, I wasn't even thinking about the podcast. This was unrelated, but I just started watching Murder She Wrote. Yeah. And it's pretty delightful. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild, man. There are some there are some episodes that are like so strange too. Here's a crazy thing. Watch, here's another connection. The most recent episode I watched was season two, episode five, where they introduced that Jessica Fletcher, who is Angela Lansbury's character, has a cousin in England that is also played by Angela Lansbury. And they share scenes together. And you know who else does that? Elvis does that in the movie Kissin' Cousins, where he plays his own cousin and they share scenes together. And it's super weird. That's bizarre. Yes. That's bizarre. <laughs> uh, and then also I want to throw in, she's probably best known as the voice of Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast and sings the song Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I didn't realize that she was the same person. Because yeah, she's got like all this Broadway cred and she's like got a great voice and you know, she's just the shrill wife in Blue Eyes. Like what the heck? Wow. Uh, and apparently she replaced Dolores Del Rio, who played Elvis's mom in Flaming Star. So Yeah, I was just going to say that's the chick from Flaming Star. Yeah. I think they made a good call with that, actually. Sure. She really stepped up to the role. Uh, and then, actually, I'm going to skip the ladies and go to the dad. Fred Gates, mm-hmm. the father. Oh, yeah. So uh, Angela Lansbury is Sarah Lee Gates. And then the dad is Fred Gates. Roland Winters, he's great. Unfortunately, the thing he's best known for is appearing in six films in the late 40s as the Chinese detective Charlie Chan. No. Yes. I won't spend too much time on this, but there was this very famous detective character who's actually part of the Honolulu Police Department in the, in the books. So I guess maybe there's a connection with Hawaii or something. But he is of Chinese descent. Bad. And they made like so many movies in the 20s and 30s and into no. the 40s. I think the most recent film was 1981, like way past the point where that's acceptable. And to be fair, he started as a supporting character in some movies and was played by an actual Asian actor, but of course didn't have any lines or was just like, but the first time he was given the starring role, they cast some white guy and they put him in yellow face to play Charlie Chan. Holy shit, man. And that was a big hit. And then they kept making these movies and poor Roland Winters here who plays the dad. He was in six of these dang Charlie Chan movies in the 40s. That's messed up, bro. It sucks. Uh, but hey, he's going to return for the very next film we're going to do, Follow That Dream. Because as I said at the top of this episode, there's a lot of returning people or people that are in this movie that go on to do more Elvis movies, including Joan Blackman, who plays Maylie Duvall, who's the main love interest, his girlfriend. I labeled her here as she's going to be the third actress that'll be part of the Elvis two-timer club. <laughs> and then she may, she's like does two different Elvis movies. Because we already had Dolores Hart, who was in Loving You, and then King Creole. And we also had Jan Shepard, who was in King Crow playing the sister. She's going to show up in a later film. Uh, but anyways, yes, Joan Blackman was in The Great Imposter with Tony Curtis the year before this, 1960. Then who else we got? We got the weird owner of the touring agency, Mr. Chapman, played by Howard McNear. 
He appeared in 1959's Anatomy of a Murder as Dr. Dompierre. He has a few more Elvis movie appearances coming. I did, some of these I didn't even bother listing because at a certain point there was going to be so many titles being thrown out that it's like, whatever. All you need to know is that we'll probably bring him up again when he comes up again. Right. Uh, the Jack Kelman character, who's buddies with Elvis's character's dad and works at the same pineapple company. <laughs> <laughs> he's played by john archer um we get to bring up film noir again which is always fun nice so he was in the classic 1949 film noir white heat with james cagney Ooh, white heat is a good one yes and altogether he's got like 146 credits damn so working actor lots of bit parts then we have so there's that big brawl near the end of the movie and i was actually surprised it took that long for the big punch out like it was in the last half hour yeah. But it's a doozy. Like, it's an entire tiki bar just getting, like, trashed. Yeah, the whole bar gets in on it. And it's it's all prompted by this couple, this super obnoxious couple, the Garveys. So there's Steve Brody, who plays Tucker Garvey, who's all like, you want to go? And then they start fighting. Yep. He's done lots of TV, 169 credits. And another film noir that we can bring up, he had a sporting role as Fisher in the movie Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum. That one, I don't know. From 1947. That's a pretty cool one. That's like a classic setup of like someone is hired to track down a lady, but of course there's all kinds of setups and stuff. Yes. And then he also makes some future Elvis movie appearances. So. Wow. Yeah. Don't bother trying to keep track because I've listed it down here that the amount of people that are in the movie Blue Hawaii that also appear, even if they appear uncredited in future Elvis films, is eight. There's eight different actors that are in this movie that are also in at least one other Elvis film. I mean, that's good. At least Elvis movies did something for someone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Well, you say that, but wait till I get to all his Hawaiian bros. They're like barely, they've like did this movie and then nothing oh else. Oh my God. Yeah, I would also never work in a movie again after this if I had been those guys and had been treated the way that I had been treated. I think the only one who actually had a halfway decent career was the only one that wasn't Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, big surprise. That's very sad. Uh, yep. Fuck, man. All the sad truths we bring up. Oh, so anyway, so the Just wife. chewing them up and spitting them out. Yeah. Enid, Enid Garvey, the little wife, is played by Iris Adrian. She, once again, lots of TV credits, 161 credits. Um, she, just like Dean Jones, who, if you'll recall, was in uh, Jailhouse Rock, she also did a lot of, she had many appearances in Disney films in the 60s and 70s, including a lot oh. of the ones that he was in, like That Darn Cat and The Love Bug. Weird. And in fact, the director of a lot of those, Robert Stevenson, considered her a good luck charm, so he would put her in little parts in all the movies. Really? is fun okay now we've gone all these other people out of the way we're now moving on to i've got the quartet of teen girls oh my god that's right the teenagers there didn't need to be four of them oh crap no wait sorry sorry i skipped over the teacher herself abigail prentice oh. played by nancy walters she's only got 12 credits so oh wow yeah unfortunately yeah um, well, actually, well, there's a good reason there, but I'll get to that. So she made her debut in the 1958 movie Monster on the Campus, classic B-movie shenanigans in the same year as this. She was in The Green Helmet, which was like a racing movie. Yeah. And then she has a small part in The Singing Nun from 1966. Oh, my God. The Singing Nun? With Debbie uh, Reynolds. those of you... Yes. The, oh, sorry, The Singing Nun. I'm sorry. I, I totally forgot. You were thinking of you, The Flying I, Nun. Yes, I was thinking of The fucking flying nun for those of you who don't know what the flying nun is my boyfriend just showed me like two or three weeks ago what the fuck this show was it was this weird goddamn show that aired in like the i don't know late 60s early 70s about a nun whose fancy little nun hat would just fly her around and and that's the concept 
and she would fly around and she would fix things for people or find people's lost a fucking dog or some shit. Mm -hmm. And she flew around with her nun hat. I don't understand. Can you explain that to me? I can't. All I, all I can explain is that much like the beloved Canadian classic, The Littlest Hobo, there was this was like a f popular formula of having a drifter go around Every episode, they'd show up at a different town to help yes. people. But, but the littlest hobo is a dog. Yes. And the flying nun is a nun. That flies. With a hat that makes her fly. I don't get the fucking concept. I'm just... I just... It, it was literally like they pulled a bunch of ideas out of a fucking sack blindly, threw them onto the table, and was like, oh, we have two things? Flying nun? Good. Let's make a, let's make a fucking TV show. Yes. Bizarre. Anyway, you guys should check it out. The singing nun. Yeah, I actually had to pull a double take because for a second I also read it as the flying <laughs> nun and went like, what the hell? But no, it's actually the singing nun, which is a movie with Debbie Reynolds as a nun who sings. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Wait, also, like, the, the the actress who plays the flying nun is Sally Field. Can we just say that too? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Sally Field. Yeah. God damn it. Okay. Moving back to what we were doing. So the reason that the actress who plays the teacher didn't really do much after the 60s, after 67 specifically, is because her husband was killed in Vietnam, unfortunately. Damn. And then so she joined an evangelical group and actually became an ordained minister. Oh, interesting. So this is like the second time we've had someone who like left the business and then like <laughs> joined religion and stuff, which is... It's not that uncommon. No, it's... Yeah, but it's just... Yeah, it's the second time we're bringing it up. I mean, what... Like... Like Tony Jaw also quit doing martial arts movies to go be a monk. But he's back now. He is back now. And thank God, I'm very <laughs> excited. But, you know, it's just, it's not that uncommon, right? Yes. And she passed away in 2009 at the age of 76. Uh, she was living in Vegas. Wow. Okay. Now let's get to the, I've, luckily I only have one sentence description for all these freaking <laughs> girls because they don't deserve anything less. Or anything more. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe they deserve more, but unfortunately, they didn't get any. Not from us. <laughs> okay, so there's Beverly, Beverly Martin, yep. played by Christian K. She only has three credits. Wow. Which was this movie, and then an episode of My Three Sons, and an uncredited appearance in the 1964 movie The Brass Bottle. Boom, done. That's it. That's for her. Okay. Then there's Patsy, Patsy Simon, played by Darlene Tompkins. She's got 11 credits, and she's also part of the people that will appear in a later Elvis picture. So moving on to the next one, okay. which is Selena, a.k.a. Sandy. Sandy Emerson. Sandy. Played by Pamela Austin. She has 35 credits, so she's the most successful out of these four. Yeah. This was her film debut, and she's going to show up in another Elvis film. And then the snooty Ellie, the one who gets banged, <laughs> is played by Jenny Maxwell. She's got 30 credits. And then she was also in a really good classic Twilight Zone episode called Long Distance Call the same year as this movie. Oh, I like that episode. That's a good episode. Yes, the one with the boy and the toy telephone and the dead grandmother is all I'll say. Yes, yeah. Okay, now let's move on to the Beach Bros, his Hawaiians. There's four of them, and actually only three of them I could find any information on, which I was like, damn, this is even more depressing. Ooh, weird. Um, at least on IMDb, and I tried looking for the fourth guy, but I can't. Anyways, I digress. Frank Atienza plays Ito Ohara. He's the one who they sing the song about, Ito Eats. That's his Strange. That's his it's character. Just he just eats a lot. It's weird. He this was weird. Yeah. This was... Yeah. Why is... do they do this to us? Why? Why do we need this? Why? Why? What do we ever do? I don't know. Elvis survives a war just to come back into Hawaii and be eat the eats, eat the eat. It's like a... This is his film debut. He only has seven credits. Poor guy. Once again, he'll have an uncredited future appearance in an Elvis movie. Hmm. 
Then there's Carl Tanami, played by uh, Lanny Kai. Uh, this was his film debut and only five credits. This was a, th- a thing I saw in most of these people's IMDb's. They had like little credits, but if they were in anything, it was either Hawaiian Eye, which was a short-lived TV show, or Hawaii Five-O, which was the other big Hawaii-based. Ah, oh, I see. So if anything, I feel like this definitely had a factor in like a boom in like working in Hawaii yeah. and like oh, yeah, tourism, for sure. for, which we talked about. Yeah. I mean, it had a boom for white people going to Hawaii and filming shows there yes more than it did for the people local to hawaii and last but not least um there is ernie gordon he's the character who calls chad chadio he's got 35 credits <laughs> yes hey chadio and yes to see if you can spot the difference between him and the other people i've named his name is jose de vega ah. he's not hawaiian the same year he appeared as chino the very important role of chino in west side story weird mm-hmm um, when Elvis is in jail near the end of the movie, there's a character playing the harmonica while Elvis sings, and that is an uncredited Richard Reeves, who has 225 credits, and he's going to pop up in five more Elvis movies. Jesus. So he's probably going to be this guy that just keeps showing up playing this kind of bit role. Of like, <laughs> I hope he's just a guy in a jail cell in a harmonica every, every time. Every time? That'd be good. <laughs> That would be. And then, oh God, do you remember how the Gateses, Elvis's parents, have a, a servant named Ping Pong? Yes. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, um, Ping Pong is played by... <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Ping Pong is, by, for those of you who are not going to watch this Elvis movie, Ping Pong is a servant, a Hawaiian, so allegedly Hawaiian servant who's like, just like, Yes, master. No, master. Ooh, just like yeah, he's the commie relief. Really obtuse, bumbling. Yeah. He there's a part where when Elvis first gets in, he's hosing down the driveway, and then Elvis shows up in his car, and then the parents step out, and then he like puts a kink in the hose to stop it. But then by then he of course drops it, and then the hose sprays everyone. It's like oh, so funny, haha. Ha. Yeah. Great. Great. He is played by uh, Ralph Hanalei, uh, who's recredited in this movie as Tiki Hanalei. Hmm. I don't know. That is plays Strange. ping pong. Okay. We did it. That's it. I've done it. That's it. That's all of them. That's everyone. Well, in summation, this movie had no right making the amount of money it did. I don't know what it was with the audiences back then if this is what they wanted. I think it had to do two parts with the fact that Americans were really, really hungry for tourism in Hawaii already. Mm. So Hawaii was already becoming like a staple in American tourist culture and Elvis was already becoming a staple in the larger music culture and so I think it was probably a really good judgment on the part of whoever was responsible for this movie to put this movie together in Hawaii. I think it was really smart and um, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I don't know. There's there's problems with this, right? Like there's there's so many problems with how they like talk about they it's like they talk about Hawaiians as if they're in the room with them but they're ignoring them. Like it's this weird like blanket statement where they're like, Yes, the Hawaiians and let's not forget also the white girlfriend in this movie is allegedly a Hawaiian princess. And like her and Elvis go to meet her grandmother. There's a grandmother birthday, which is the scene where he sings "Can't Help Falling in Love." He's he's he he yeah. gifts the grandmother this music box, which just happens to be playing the tune for him, and then he sings along to it. Very strange. Yeah, there's a lot of there's no other 
Elvis movie that we've watched so far that I think more accurately portrays the cynical consumerist methodology that was Elvis movies. Yeah. This one takes the cake, you know. And this is what we get to look forward to for the yeah. majority of the <laughs> rest of the time. Yeah, like I think it'll be a, a really big surprise if we're able to catch another good movie like we did with Wild in the Country. Sure. I don't think it's going to happen again. Hopefully it does, but I don't know. This is one that like it, it's a lot of fun to put on. And Kid Galahad, which is my favorite Elvis movie, follows a similar formula. And I don't know any other Elvis movie after this that doesn't. And we're going to find out when we watch them all. For yes. you guys, the audience. Because we brought up earlier... All two of you. That if you're a fan of bad <laughs> movies, these are fun movies to watch. And here's the thing. Yes. As much as I'm a big cinephile who's always bringing up the film noir and all this good stuff, I actually love bad movies. I, in fact, run a bad movie club with um, some That's people. That's right. And so Gosh. I know Misha Schlock and I can appreciate oh, some yeah. really just big time cheese. And so there's a lot of that coming up. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, man, like in our household, my boyfriend collects old VHS tapes of horror movies. He'll touch anything if, as long as it says horror on top of it. Like he's just so into it. And I have seen some fucking movies, man. I have seen some movies that no one should have ever seen because they were so bad. And Elvis movies are not the worst. I will say, like, they're not the worst, but mm -hmm. they're a product of its time. And I think especially if you're a woman or if you're uh, a part of the BIPOC community or the LGBTQ plus community, watching these is going to be part funny and part an exercise in anger management because mm -hmm. some of the stuff they do during this movie is just outrageous by today's standards. The way they talk about women, the way they act towards women, the way they frame women, it's just all so meh. And they extend the same attitude towards anybody who is slightly a skin tone darker you know yeah not to mention if they're you know we, we talked about wild in the country last episode and that was where we saw the first black character yeah. that was in a position of some actual authority as a lawyer mm -hmm. and i'm waiting to see if there's ever going to be another black person in an elvis movie ever again after this because we don't know like we've watched some of these movies but we haven't yeah. watched all of them and certainly I know there's none in Kid Galahad, and I'm pretty sure there's none in Fun in El Capoco, and I'm pretty sure there's none in Viva Las Vegas, so... Ooh, that's a good point, yes. You had seen quite a few because you gave your whole history in the first episode we did. Oh yeah, like Elvis Presley movies were around. So I've seen Kid Galahad is that's, the one yeah. that I've seen, and I've watched clips from Viva Las Vegas. I never really got into my side of things. Going into this endeavor, I had only ever seen the weird outliers in his filmography. And that, like, I'd seen King Creole, which is because I had heard that it was the best. Right. So I started with that, like a fool. Um, <laughs> you fool. And I'd watched Charo, because that one's really weird and not oh. like the others. I watched the ones that didn't follow the formula. But that being said, while I was watching Blue Hawaii, I realized that I had caught at least the whole last 20 minutes, I want to say. Because I remember being with my family and like flicking channels and then we would like stumble on Blue Hawaii. And it was, yeah. Because I remember that whole climax of him chasing down the car and then like in the spanking and everything and the whole wedding. Yeah. It, it, all, came, it all came back to me. The, the floodgates opened. Yes. I went, oh my God, I had seen this before. 
but nothing from this point on, like all, all the rest is going to be blind watches. So I'm excited to, to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So I, I think I had also, I had seen like a lot of Jailhouse Rock. There's some background, but now we're going into it blind, right? Yes. I had seen probably the big Jailhouse Rock sequence. So the, the most pinnacle portion of Elvis's movies are now like behind us with Blue Hawaii. The only ones that we're going towards now is Viva Las Vegas. Um, and for me, Fun in Acapulco was a big one at the time. Yeah. You said something about the World's Fair, but I'd never heard anything about the World's Fair before. I only know that because of a fun tidbit, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. But yeah, Fun in Acapulco being the third of the three in this loose like Hawaiian trilogy, because those were all the ones that were shot in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. That's, that's So um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, who came to listen to our insane ramblings of Elvis Presley. I don't know why we're doing this. Are you out there? Can you hear us? Are you listening? (laughs) I've looked at some analytics. There are some people. (laughs) If you are, please let us know. We have a Facebook page. Um, Elvis has left the movies. You can come check us out. Shout out to my mother, who's following us officially and is... She's our biggest fan, perhaps. Aww. Shout out to Matt's mom. Yeah. Not only is she a wonderful supporter of Elvis Has Left the Movies, she's also a really nice person. And I miss her dearly. Huh. I miss her gentle demeanor. I miss her knitting, most of all. I miss her Tunisian blankets. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Matt's mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thanks so much uh, for anybody else that's been listening and following along with us. Uh, We're seven movies in, so we're not even a third of the way through, and we hope that we'll see you at the finish line. This is the seventh one or the eighth one? Eighth, seventh, it doesn't matter. We're not even a third of the way through. Yeah, at this point, we're going to stop. We won't be able to keep track. They're all going to just blend together. Yeah. All right, with that, I guess we'll say thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you you very much. much.